0: Hey guys, do you have a screenplay you need feedback on? Well, you are in luck. I, Julio, the half of the Contrarians that speaks with an accent, I'm doing official screenplay coverage now. And if you're a listener of the show, you'll get a discount. Just email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com and tell us which is your favorite episode of the podcast and why. Turn around, it's about two weeks, and you'll get detailed notes that are even more thorough than what we do in the show, although it will also be less funny. For more information, email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com or visit our website wearethecontrarians.com and click on the Julio Reads Your Scripts link.
1: Your voice is beautiful.
0: Okay, and we are recording for Fred Claus Contrarians Corner.
1: Yes. Hello, and welcome back to the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. A Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays to all. We are here for our bonus Christmas episode in the tradition of reindeer games and uh, mixed nuts. And uh, what else have we done at Christmas time? Did we uh. do? Was Family Stone timed at Christmas?
0: I think it was we did the combo of uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" and "Family Stone" in oh, the same year. It was just too much. Goodness gracious, we did too much Christmassy stuff.
1: Uh, this episode, this bonus episode, we're here to uh, take a different look at the old Christmas tale, the tale of Santa Claus and uh, jolly old Saint Nick and the North Pole. Uh, a bit of a different approach that has had not been done previously, and we haven't really seen an approach like this taken since.
0: Well, and also, have we actually had? Santa Claus in any of our Christmas movies? We haven't, right? We had people mm-hmm. dressed as Santa Claus. This is the first time we're tackling the big guy himself.
1: We had Gary Sinise dressed as Santa Claus, which is the closest we've come up until this point.
0: But, um, uh, uh, oh my God, Juliette Lewis's husband in Mixed Nuts, the guy from Empire Records.
1: Oh, Anthony Lapaglia. Lapaglia yeah. was dressed as Santa Claus for the like half that movie. Incomparable Anthony Lep- Anthony Lapaglia. Um, we are here to. Visit 2007's holiday release, Fred Claus, starring Vince Vaughn, directed by David Dobkin, who also directed Wedding Crashers, again, starring Vince Vaughn. So the natural follow-up to Wedding Crashers is inevitably a a Christmas tale.
0: No Owen Wilson in this one. So if you were wondering if the success (laughs) of Wedding Crashers was because Owen Wilson was there supporting Vince Vaughn,
1: Incorrect. Wrong. This is kind of following out of our, because uh, this would be contradicting our current lineal. It,
0: it's taking a little break in, uh, in the Keanu mini arc.
1: Yes. So we're basically with the way this is released. This isn't one of our numeric episodes. So, because uh, we had this would be two Rottens back to back, but. Uh, it's Christmas, damn it. I think that's kind of our MO, especially the past two years. We visited Christmas movies that are rated rotten to try to find the holiday cheer in them and what comes of them.
0: We're doing we're doing Santa's work.
1: Doing <laughs> doing St. Nick's work.
0: That's our so, present to David Dobkin.
1: <laughs> so Fred Claw is released eleven years ago, and that makes me feel really old because I remember screening it. Not old, but just like life is fleeting. And I think if this movie teaches anything, it's that life is precious. And uh, But this was not well received by the critics. It stands at a meager 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. And if this is your first time tuning in to The Contrarians, uh, where we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine, as we like to say, the first portion of this we refer to as Contrarians Corner, where we do just that. We argue against whatever the rating on Rotten Tomato is and find a case for a movie, whether it's standing as good or bad. In this case, we'll be finding... The good and the, the case you can make for Fred Claus.
0: We'll convince you that Fred Claus is fresh.
1: Yes. And if you want to know how we really feel, that'll be in the second portion of the podcast entitled Real Talk. So, at 20%, critics were not a fan of this film, Julio.
0: No, I have a few quotes from the Run Tomatoes website, uh, starting with Richard Corliss from Time Magazine, who says, The movie is less ho-ho-ho than oh-oh or oh-no. Boo! <laughs> can you imagine? I think that you can already tell the the quality of the quotes here and how many terrible Christmas puns.
1: Yeah, I can feel them coming.
0: Uh, I I try to like, you know, keep it contained. Uh, Lee Pash from Herald Sun, Australia, says despite a great ensemble cast which includes Paul Giamatti, Christopher Plummer, and Rachel Weiss, this is one gift best left unwrapped. Rude. Brandon Phipps from the Colorado Springs Gazette says, Does it make me a scrooge to suggest that this is one piece of holiday coal you should leave in your stocking? Jim Hall from Film 4 says, You'll have a better time if you spend Christmas wedged up a chimney. Jesus. It's like the dad uh, in Gremlins. <laughs> and finally, Total Film but no critic attributed says more. No, no, no than ho, ho, ho. Vince Vaughn's crime against cinema is a worthy winner of this year's deck. The hall's prize for least welcome Christmas present. Make no mistake. Fred Claus is the real bad Santa. He went all out. He with did movie references and horrible Christmas puns.
1: I do really like bad Santa. So the, I guess the, the shout out there is welcome. Uh, that did trigger my memory though. We, one of our Christmas episodes was our Christopher Columbus deep dive. That's true. Gremlins. Mm, with Gremlins. Home Alone. Home Alone. Yep. Rent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and of course, how could we ever how, forget?
1: How did we get this far without bringing up Christmas with the Cranks? I think it's just, again, traumatic nature. Try to forget it. Uh, okay. Fred Claus starts off somewhere in almost colonial times. I'm not sure if it's the 1700s or 1800s, but what it is is that... Uh, were those
0: pilgrims? Yeah. Or the, or, or is the Claus family a family of pilgrims?
1: They look, like, they look like kind of Vikings almost. Nicholas Claus is born, and as the uh, narration tells us, when a saint is born, he becomes immortal, and his family shares the same trait. Like, yes. So uh, Nicholas obviously becomes Saint Nick and begins the tradition of giving and generosity and uh, gift-giving, and eventually becomes the Big Red himself, Santa Claus, but he's uh Born in a family where he has an older brother named Friedrich, and because of his sainthood, Friedrich also becomes immortal, as does his uh, mother, who's played by Kathy Bates, and I wasn't sure the actor who played his father.
0: Uh, He looked like Captain Jean-Luc Picard at first, (laughs) but then he became very clearly not Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Yes. He's easily the, the, the least known person in the cast.
1: He only has, like, two lines, though. Yeah, most of it is just... Ludacris has of more him. lines than he does.
0: <laughs> and more special effects apply to him as well.
1: So, Julio, are you... I, I know you're a sibling. Are you the oldest, or...?
0: I am the oldest. I am Fred. You are
1: Fred. I am Fred. Uh, I am also the oldest of uh, the siblings. I have a younger sister, so... Um... Unlike the Klaus family, though, I'm the one that has, like, gotten fat and gone gray. <laughs> uh, same. Hard same on this end. And... Uh, so we can relate to the opening. It's not really a montage, but more of a sequence of events that we get into the insight of their childhood. Where it's,
0: uh, it's Santa begins.
1: Yes, it's it's uh, in many ways the opening credits of Wolverine X Men Origins. Uh, yes, we get to see you know the wars that they've been through, and
0: but really, uh, I mean, this is like uh, uh, the Nolan trilogy for Batman, only condensed in one movie into two hours. Through the whole thing, you you have Santa begins, Dark Santa. And then Santa Rises.
1: This is fair. This is true. And now I'm just really wondering if Vince Vaughn would make a good saber-tooth, since I made that analogy. And I think he could pull it off. He'd be a really quippy sabretooth.
0: Well, a saber-tooth for, for the kids now. For the new or, generation. For the new millennia. They don't have time for... You know, back back in our day, it made sense for sabretooth to be a wrestler. Mm-hmm. But now...
1: God, that was 20 years ago. Unbelievable. Uh, So... Being older siblings, we can relate to this, and I'm sure many of the listeners who are, you know, the eldest sibling can relate to it as well. The favoritism or implied favoritism towards the, you know, why can't you be like your younger brother type of thing.
0: Why can't you be cute anymore?
1: Yeah, because Friedrich, you know, he's growing up. He's already hitting rough times, and we can see how he could grow up to look like someone like Vince Vaughn. But from the get-go here, this is an angle of the Christmas tale that we've never had broached before, where we know that we find out that Santa has a family... And he more importantly, has an older brother that currently lives in Chicago, Illinois right <laughs> looks away and talks like Vince Vaughn right away. This ain't your you know your typical Christmas tale this a wonderful life this is not
0: yeah it, and it's really you're expected because it's a santa story you you would think that this is going to be about wholesome. Uh, you know, if there's gonna be bad guys, if there's gonna be like conflict coming from um, uh, coming into the movie, it's gonna come from outside, mm-hmm. right? Because Santa Claus, he's he's great, everything is perfect in the North Pole, so you expect his family to be perfect. But then, really, as the movie goes along, and even from the beginning, you can tell that this is all about bad parenting. Mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn is a good guy, probably just as good as his older brother, but because of the way he's been raised and the way that his parents always favored nick over him he's grown into this bitter jaded uh, mutter mouth i mean it's still vince vaughn but it's it's the dark version of him
1: he clearly has when we get to present day he does not have the best uh he doesn't celebrate christmas like like others he doesn't have you know enough for obvious reasons christmas drudges up a bunch of negative emotions for him
0: kathy bates fucked him up
1: yes and he works as a repo man now. We get an amazing opening monologue to um, to a little girl from Vince Vaughn about what it is to grow up and you know the dangers of sitting in front of a TV your whole life and what you need to do to get out and live your life.
0: It's five solid minutes of Vince Vaughn just doing the Vince Vaughn thing, and it's it delightful. Is, it's wonderful. It puts you at ease. Mm-hmm. Don't think that we're toning down your Vince Vaughn just because it's a Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. You're still getting the quality that you would get from his R-rated releases.
1: We are then introduced to the muse, the flame of the film Wanda, played by Contrarian's favorite and just eternally gorgeous Rachel i
0: I mean, just listen to our episode on The Mummy if you want to just know in depth how we feel about rachel wise but she's just great and i didn't know that she was in this this is my first time watching it yeah so. julio's
1: eyes got so big and he let out an audible <gasps> when she came on screen rachel wise <laughs> dressed as a sexy cop <laughs> she's a parking attendant that gives out tickets for you know unpaid uh parking meters and things like that uh no masking of her accent here which i appreciated and i mean
0: not that she can't do an american accent no
1: uh at one point she threatens to th- or not threatens but says she's moving back to London anyway so clearly just a import into the country and naturally most parking attendants look like that in Chicago so completely within the realm of believability
0: you know they always say show don't tell what better way to tell you that Vince Vaughn is charming as hell than mm-hmm. showing that he's not only is he dating Rachel Weisz, somehow he's managed to keep her on the hook for a while despite being reluctant to settle down and make it a committed relationship. mm mm-hmm. That that just speaks volumes. That's more than anybody could say. You know, just by showing that Rachel is still putting up with his shit, yeah, that tells you everything you need to know about how likable and charming Vince Vaughn is, and
1: his ability to just talk his way out of any situation. Right. I
0: mean, he he does it right in uh, because he's is he late or he's she's mad at him over something?
1: Uh, she, he forgot her birthday. Oh, that yeah. There yeah. you go. Uh, we meet Wanda, and then we meet the other central, uh, maybe not central, but. Uh, side character in Fred's present day life in Chicago, and that is uh, Slam, who's a little boy played by the little kid from, uh, I want to say Grown Ups, but that's a bad movie. He was in uh, Role Models.
0: Role Models, not McLovin, the
1: other kid. Yes, exactly. Uh, Which I haven't seen him in much outside of this era. He did uh, Role Models This, and he was also in Land of the Lost.
0: He picks his projects carefully, clearly.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's really enjoyable. Uh, Fred kind of laments the holiday of Christmas goes off about Santa Claus and how, you know, he's not really what everyone perceives him to be and that he clearly has some confidence issues, that type of thing. So he's uh, projecting some of his negative will onto this poor young child who all this young child really talks about is Christmas is coming up and he really wants a puppy.
0: That's that's every kid.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're starting off here with the ghost of Christmas present. So we're seeing, you know, how this is negatively affecting. I mean, the, the movie's about
0: it. to take us to an unbelievable world uh, full of wonders. And it's good that they take the time to settle. Just put us in present day. Mm-hmm. This, this is how
1: the real world works. And now we're going to blow your mind in, in 20 minutes or so. So Vince Vaughn's character, uh, Fred, I wasn't quite sure the ins and outs of this Julio and I were enjoying ourselves a bit much. So I don't, my notes aren't too extensive on this, but there's some sort of get rich quick scheme that he needs $50,000 for. We see him meeting with a guy kind of in an abandoned building and, uh, yeah i didn't catch exactly what the get rich quick scheme was but you can tell at his current point in life vince vaughn is kind of one that it's like robert pattinson in good time if he just uses people as he can to see fit until he reaches his ultimate goal
0: yeah he, uh, he borrows from someone to pay someone else exactly
1: yeah so he needs to start raising money so he poses as a santa and this is one of the most realistic scenes i would not be at all surprised if they said these weren't paid actors. Uh, Vince Vaughn standing on the corner with a bell and a bucket of change, you know, having people donate to his Christmas cause. Just, Dress as Santa. Yeah, well not even that, he's got his leather coat on he's just got a Santa hat the on. Hat, yeah. But the point is he's such a slick talker that I would be convinced that if they just said they just put him on a street corner he was able to raise like $500 like in 20 minutes. It's
0: like that movie uh, where Scarlett Johansson plays this alien that looks like Scarlett Johansson and, uh, and she's just basically getting random men to pick her up and uh, and <laughs> And most of those are not actors. They really just she improv with them, and they recorded what was going on. In his, really? Yeah, I was unaware. Who is not gonna pick up a hitchhiking Scarlett Johansson? No shit. <laughs> so same. Who is not gonna give money to Vince Vaughn with a with a Santa hat on? You
1: know, just calling everybody gorgeous. And I mean, he's Vince Vaughn. He could he could talk his way out of any situation. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Does maybe the most unrealistic part of this movie is that he's broke to begin with?
1: Yes. <laughs> that he's not just lavished and- he
0: should be leo dicaprio in wolf of wall street
1: <laughs> so in this he steps on the toes of all of the neighborhood santas on michigan avenue which if you've ever been to chicago you know it's a long stretch and there's a lot of santas to occupy that space and i think he buries the salvation army and they ask to see his permit and he does have the great line one of them asks for his papers he says but papers what are you what are you living in the 50s i'm on the internet now Eventually he gets beaten up by a, a horde of Santas and...
0: It's, it's visually impressive to see this army of Santas chasing him down the street and eventually just jumping on him.
1: It's not unlike Matrix Reloaded, the Agent Smiths against right. Neo, so... It,
0: yeah, it, it's, it's also a very subtle... Uh, because it, it's pratfalls, right? It's, it's physical humor. You're laughing at the fact that he's laughing, that he's running and fighting Santas and whatever, but deep down it's just... It's a criticism of of just American culture and how we've monetized Santa mm-hmm. right now, you want money, just put Santa on the street asking for money and and it kind of dilutes the power of of Santa as an icon
1: and I'm glad you didn't mention the Pratt Falls and the goofiness of it because there's a few scenes in the movie, this being the first that incorporates uh, like three Stooges sound effects and old cartoon sound effects that I guess again, this was marketed towards children, so you have you make the big uh, overlapping analogies for the the parents and then you have this that you know the kids can laugh at
0: well yeah but also as an adult you laugh because it it's kind of like you know when spielberg i don't remember which movie it was where he's like i'm not going to use any of the toys it's just me the camera and a tripod mm-hmm. and and then the next movie he's like now i'm going to use all the toys because i can show you that they have a purpose same here you know i, I don't think that dopkin use many looney tunes uh, sound effects in wedding crashers <laughs> But but now for this one he's bringing in the all, all the CDs with all the all, with all the special effects because it's a different kind of movie and he he's already shown us that he can't he doesn't need to rely on those mm-hmm. he just knows how to use them when it's necessary.
1: So it's just him saying sh- saying I can do it with or without. Right. Yeah. It's
0: like oh you don't like the sound effects go watch Wedding Crashers. <laughs> <laughs> so I also be- made that one.
1: Yes, two years prior with Vince Vaughn and. He is equally as charming in that, too. Yeah, he just traded
0: up from Wilson to Jamadi on this one.
1: (laughs) So, because of all this ruckus, Fred gets himself thrown in jail. He calls uh, Wanda to try to bail him out, but she is at their arranged dinner meeting for her birthday. So, of course, she doesn't answer the phone. uh, And the cop does, you know, this extra that played this cop realized he had his one moment in the sun, so he was going to go for it. So, with all of the passion, he could... he. Conjures up the line of, it's Christmas, make another call. So
0: was he an extra, I forgot to ask you, because he looked like uh, uh, Kimmy Schmidt's father.
1: Uh, I don't believe it was him, the guy who's in that new... um...
0: Oh, the Ballot Buster Scruggs? Yeah. I want to name drop that because I didn't think
1: you had watched it. I had not, but didn't you plug it on an episode? Did
0: I? I know, I've told you about it. A lot of people have been talking about it. Yeah, it's great.
1: Uh, I I don't believe it was him, but regardless, he allows him to make a second call. So Fred calls his estranged brother Nick up at the North pole and Nick is laying in bed with his wife. And here we begin the uh, fascinating dichotomy of this movie in that you have Paul Giamatti as Santa in full uh, rosy cheeked makeup. He's got the, the bald head with the long white beard. He's got, you know, the prosthetic fat suit on, even his fingers are puffed up a bit, but, Under all that is Paul Giamatti, who is one of the greatest American actors of my lifetime. And then you add in, you compound the dynamics of the estranged family from the get-go. When his wife hears it's his brother calling, she tries to get in and like, no, 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 no. So here we begin this massive layered approach to the Christmas movie.
0: It's Here, you're right. The dichotomy starts here, right? Because you have Vince Vaughn looking like Vince Vaughn. And sounding like Vince Vaughn sitting in a Chicago police station. Right. And then you have Paul Giamatti looking like you've never seen him before. Mm-hmm. And yes, he sounds like Giamatti, but he also sounds like Santa. Yeah. It it never feels like, oh, this is Giamatti playing Santa. It's just, it's like Santa happened to be Paul Giamatti, and mm-hmm. you just now realized it. Uh, his, his wife is uh, Miranda Richardson, mm-hmm. which she's like the one, I know she's a name, but she was the one that I had to like look on IMDb just to like figure out the name because i even more so than jamari she just disappears into the role yeah. of, of santa's overly concerned wife uh, which is what any wife would be if uh, her brother-in-law was vince vaughn yes
1: uh and yeah understandably so and he asked for the bail money which is five thousand dollars and he also asked for the additional 50 grand to kind of help him out in the situation that he's in and Again, the concerned wife kicks in as he begins to kind of talk over the phone about the money he's going to lend. And she jumps in and says, no, none of this. And uh, Vince Vaughn gets resistance, so he does the whole, okay, no, I don't need it. I'm going to give you money type of thing. And it's a delightful scene. And in the end, the uh, the agreement, the bargain that's reached is for him to get the 50000 he's going to have to come up to the North Pole and work for him for the holiday season.
0: It's It's the scene that really finally lets you relax. Because I think up till now you've you've been with Vaughn only and you're waiting for Jamadi to show up mm-hmm. and you're really waiting to see how it pans out. Is this gonna work? The the meshing of And the answer is yes. An oh, yeah. Emphatic yes. hundred percent. Right After that phone conversation, you're just like, this is gonna be great. I can't wait for these two to get together and just interact for the next ninety
1: minutes. For so many actors that have portrayed the role of Santa Claus in film, it, like for the this two hours of this movie Paul Giamatti is Santa Claus.
0: It's You know, today, you probably noticed that if you're on social media, everybody's raving about Kurt Russell playing Santa on some Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we show Giamatti some respect? Acknowledge <laughs> that Kurt Russell is not the first A-list actor to just, in quotation marks, slum it by playing Santa on, on a kids movie.
1: And again, part of it that makes it is it's not just... Like he went, that's like actual work. He probably went through like three hours of makeup a day to get lost in the role. Only Paul Giamatti. I think that expression was said several times during the viewing of this. Only Only Paul Paul Giamatti. Giamatti. It's the rhino. It is. Jesus. Uh, So Fred is picked up by the head elf, Willie, who is played by John Michael Higgins. Um,
0: You know him from everything.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, similar to our player episode where you referred to character actor fred ward here we have character actor john michael higgins uh not before uh, slam uh, his little friend
0: um oh yeah one last dip into harsh reality
1: yeah where we find out that he is being taken by child services because he's basically been living on his own for a few months because his father passed away yeah harsh reality mm-hmm. and vince vaughn gives him the the pep talk of like you know never lose sight of who you are and never give up hope type of thing
0: not everybody can handle this uh, uh, you know like uh the way the Dopkin just goes back and forth between drama and comedy, I mean literally this is just moments before an uh, elf Joe Michael Higgins shows yeah. up you know with, basically Joe Michael higgins's head photoshopped <laughs> on on a child's body or, or a smaller person's body, but he's mm-hmm. a, he's an elf uh, but right before that you have this this kid, this orphan just getting real with Vince Vaughn before mm-hmm. he's taken away. That's that kind of stuff. I mean, we've talked about tone so many times in this podcast and so many movies that just fail at, at being dramatic and funny side by side, but
1: this movie nails it. Well, and then like we said, the massive dichotomy because this real life situation happens. And then 30 seconds later, he's on a sleigh ride to the North pole flying, flying. Exactly. So he reaches his destination of the North Pole. Uh, Nick and Miranda Richardson, uh, Annette, they are there right away to greet him. And the tension is very intense right off the bat between Annette and Fred. They have a back and forth that um, really, if you've been in family situations like that, you can relate to. And both of them pull it off very convincingly.
0: It's every Thanksgiving in, in America. <laughs> it's like, you know, that uh, Fred voted for Trump. And Jean- <laughs> Ned was not happy about that. Why do I
1: have to take my hat off? Why do I have to take my hat off?
0: So is that canon that uh, Santa's wife's name is Anna or Annette? Or is that just the movie building on the mythology? I know there's a Mrs. Claus, mm-hmm. but is that has she ever been identified as Anna? Uh,
1: Not to my knowledge.
0: This movie went all out, just named her.
1: Yeah. I mean, the classic mythology... Uh, Nicholas Claus also doesn't have an older brother named Fred. So. Right, but his name is Nicholas. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you're trying to stick in where you can with the uh, the consistency <laughs> here. Uh, Fred is assigned remedial tasks. Uh, he is put on duty of labeling children's files of naughty or nice, basically going through and determining. And um, He is the sore thumb, the proverbial sore thumb that sticks out. One, because he's taller than everybody, and two, just his general demeanor and attitude. He... They have a North Pole radio station that's constantly playing Christmas carols, specifically "Here Comes Santa Claus," and uh,
0: handled by Ludacris.
1: Yeah, the it's more than a cameo; it's just a bit part. But
0: I mean, he doesn't have an arc or anything, but but it, he gets a few lines, and he. Uh, he dances. He does. Gets stuck in a close at some he point. Does. He it's gets just... bullied by
1: Vince Vaughn. As Vince Vaughn, Fred is working his way around the premises. We have this big like snow globe that you can ask to show you any person or any place in the world. And they'll show you the situation that's going on right now. The significance of this, it comes into play several times in the movie, but no more important than this, where Vince Vaughn's still kind of riding on cloud nine. He's there. He thinks he's going to coast, give it this money kind of take advantage of his family, go back, he has this girl, and then he asks to see Wanda in Chicago, and it pulls her up. And lo and behold, this movie, filled with A-list actors and cameos, we get potentially the most awe-inspiring of them all, as Jeffrey Dean Morgan, the comedian himself, uh, graces us with his presence. And you want to talk about someone who's charming. The sexual tension between he and Rachel Weiss in the scene is just... uh, otherworldly
0: yeah she's given him a ticket and and he is he's a different kind of smooth talker from uh vince vaughn
1: yeah because he's very very like well groomed and he's got he's respectful. a suit on yeah he's very nice he's got a scarf and perfect perfectly quaffed hair and but
0: you can tell he's troubled too so yes. rachel wise goes for the bad boys
1: yes she she I won't say she's easily manipulated or anything like that, but she definitely – she likes the game.
0: Well, she's also vulnerable because yeah. this is on the heels of uh, Vaughn because he was in, in prison. He was in, because he was in jail. Uh, because he was in jail, he couldn't go to their date for – I guess it was his apology date for missing mm-hmm. her birthday. And he had told her to meet her, him at this restaurant that he'd never been to. Which the it, restaurant
1: itself was like uh, – Sumo
0: wrestling yeah, it was
1: Benny Hanna on fucking, like, cocaine, because it was just amped up, you know, family style, but also there was men fighting in the background. I mean, I would have loved A place it. Rachel Vice should never be.
0: Maybe she would have been into it if Vince Vaughn had shown up, but the problem was that she was surrounded we'll by strangers. Know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Another movie for another time. Uh, but, yeah, point being... Teenage heartthrob Jeffrey Dean Morgan talks himself into a date with um, Rachel Weiss and Vince Vaughn, just has to watch it. And Willie's there just kind of like, God, Jesus, let's turn this off. Our film's main antagonist shows up.
0: Incomparable Christopher Plummer.
1: Christopher Plummer shows up as Clyde Archibald Northcutt, who is they refer to him as an efficiency expert. So basically what the presentation of this character is, is that there is a board of directors that oversee all holidays and make determinations on how much funding should go to which holiday and, you know, which ones need to be more streamlined to be efficient. There's, um, throwaway lines throughout it about, you know, we're cutting out the Easter bunny and things like that. And so the
0: kids are only going to get money for their first tooth. Yeah. Not anymore. He's, it's basically once again, they're going back to criticizing how corporate Christmas has become. Mm-hmm. And, and Plummer is just an auditor, which is great because Plummer is great at, at playing villains. Yes. and, this is just almost tailor made for him.
1: Yes, he's there to assess and report back, and he lets uh, Paul Giamatti, Santa Claus, know that he's on a three strike policy. He's there to assess for efficiency, but also if there's anything that he sees as major red flags or gaps in the process, it's the three three strike rule. And if it's violated, you know he uses the phrase more than once: "We're shutting you down." You fired. You. Fi- <laughs> That's not funny anymore, man. <laughs> Uh, Fred is shaking things up as soon as plumber arrives and says, you know, things cannot go out of the ordinary. We cut to Santa's workshop where, uh, an understandably distraught Vince Vaughn becomes just, he, he, he's had it up to here as they say with the, uh, here comes Santa Claus on the radio. So he bursts into the DJ station and puts on, um, a remix of rubber neck by Elvis and comes down and. Again, we, we're we going to say this several times. It's just a Vince Vaughn scene of Vince Vaughn being Vince Vaughn.
0: It's what you would expect.
1: Yes. And, and it delivers. And he comes down, he starts dancing, and he looks at one of the older female elves. He's like, don't look at me shy, sweetheart. Come on over here. <laughs> it's... It's just perfect. He gets up on the desk and starts dancing and gets everyone into it.
0: He's irresistible. <laughs> Even because uh, in order to take control of the DJ station, he has to throw away... <laughs> what- right. yeah, I
1: completely glossed over the fact that he just physically manhandles Ludicrous and locks him in a cabinet.
0: Right, but then Ludacris escapes the cabinet, and then he sees the, the party that's going on, and he just... He doesn't change the music, instead, he gets into it. Mm -hmm. Because, again, who can resist
1: Vince Vaughn? But he's up there, he's got some elves dancing with him, and he's just leading the charge. And, uh, it's clearly something new. I think there's an exchange between two elves where it. it this sounds angry in the other one. Yes, I know. I like it. Uh, this is as good of time as any to talk about the fucking soundtrack to this movie. And the $100 million budget for this film, $80 million of that was put on the soundtrack. Because we have Elvis, Dean Martin, Rolling Stones, Jackson 5. Uh, I believe, Hulu, you pointed out while we were recording after Wedding Crashers, the Dobkin they just gave him the blank check.
0: This is how you throw your way around. You don't use it to to fund a, a pet project that you've had since forever that nobody's gonna watch. What you do is you take a a, a good idea, a, a movie that's gonna be commercially viable, mm-hmm. and then you just really use the, the, your power to make it as good as it can be. So you. Throw all that money on the soundtrack. You're already good friends with Vince Vaughn. I'm sure that you can talk Giamatti into it if you tell him that you're going to have this this awesome version of uh, uh, rubbernecking.
1: You get Academy Award winner Kathy Bates on the case and say, hey, come on, why not?
0: Double Academy Award winner Christopher
1: Plummer. Yes. Uh, Paul Giamatti. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's not surprising. It was just a blank check thrown their way. And then you say, Elizabeth Banks, you're really, really pretty, so no dialogue for you.
0: You know, this is, but that just shows confidence. You know, at that point, that's just Dobkin saying, "Elizabeth Banks, you're great, but we're not gonna make you the focus of anything. We're just gonna have you there as, as even the background players are gonna
1: be great." And then we mentioned the Jeffrey Dean Morgan cameo, but we have a couple uh, others that are later to come. That you know, he had to call in some favors to get these people on, on on set.
0: But you know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, that's not a good example because I really thought that he was gonna come back. We're gonna see Rachel Weisz. The power on a date of Dopkin, man. Dopkin's like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> one scene only. There's, I have, I, I need to have room for everybody else here.
1: We're gonna tease him. It's like a shrimp cocktail. You just get one or two big shrimp, and then just kind of, all right, now, now you wait for more. Uh, naturally, though, with the funk that's brought to the Santa's Workshop, things immediately go into disarray. We get shots of the production line. You know, bikes and wrapping paper just falling off the shelves, big stockpiles. And, of course, because it is a movie, after all, we got to have these gotcha, aha moments. Christopher Plummer ber- barges into uh, Santa's workshop. Paul Giamatti follows up behind him. Ho, 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 my God. <laughs> That's one of many ho, ho, ho takes that uh, how, Giamatti has.
0: How many ho, ho, ho jokes can you have in a movie? Not enough. If you, got, really- if you got
1: Giamatti on the case, not enough. Yeah. So, strike one, Plummer takes out his little uh, skadoodle pad and writes down, strike one has been committed. Um so, Fred is is pulled aside by uh, Paul Giamatti, and he's basically given a talk to that. Hey, I need you to stay on track here. And this exchange, I mean, it's so good because Giamatti, his brilliance of an actor, his eyes keep diverting to Plummer, who's watching the conversation, but back. But he wants to make sure that it's not. Because uh, Plumbers, uh, the caveat is no one can know why. I'm
0: here. Right, yeah. yeah. He can't tell anybody that he's an auditor, basically. So,
1: yeah, and he's going back to Fred and, hey, I need you to do this. And Fred being Vince Vaughn, just, I I, I get it. I understand. And since you came to me with this, I, that's how I'm going to be. <laughs> it's it's a master. This movie in general, but all the interactions with Paul Giamatti and Vince Vaughn are like a master class in acting.
0: Which is good. That's what you came to the movie for. Some movies do the bait and switch, and they would have maybe uh, not felt comfortable. Uh, mixing the two styles of comedy, mm-hmm. right? And instead they would have had mostly Vaughn on his own and Jamadi on their own and you know them coming together every now and then. But this movie goes for it because they know that that's really what we want. You promised us Jamadi and Vaughn on the poster. We want to see them interact.
1: The It's the dichotomy of it all. It's, if nothing else, you have to give this movie credit for going for it because you have this realistic character based in present day, Vince Vaughn, and then this mythical character, Santa Claus in the North Pole, and there's no shortage of interaction in mixing the worlds with them. Right, and
0: they enrich each other because what ends up happening is Santa, the mythical figure, becomes a little more down-to-earth thanks to his interactions with Vince Vaughn. And Vince Vaughn, the regular guy, becomes, becomes, a becomes mythical. a little jaded, yeah. Well, yeah, he also becomes just, you know, he lives yeah. up to, to his family's name.
1: Yeah, not to spoil the ending, but he he, he gets behind the sleigh and <laughs> dri- drives L- it into the hearts of millions. Yeah. Uh, Through this conversation, Santa, uh, Nick, convinces his brother, Fred, to come over for dinner. Uh, They get over there, and Fred sees through the window that his parents are there, and his mother, of course, the one he has the biggest issue with, um, Kathy Bates. Trevor Peacock is the name of the gentleman who played Father Claus. Um, And again, we're not two or three minutes removed from this awesome scene with Nick and Fred bickering back and forth, and we get another one where... uh, they're doing this back and forth about the book the story did you catch this Vince Vaughn's like I'm not going to dinner here we're gonna read a book about it called <laughs> oh, Fred <yeah." laughs> Goes to Dinner go to the last page Fred doesn't go to dinner the end and then uh, Giamatti's like did you catch a sequel it's out now it's called Fred Comes to Dinner <laughs> again we have mentioned countless times on this podcast the um, notion of how you can let a movie get away from you if you just let people riff and ad-lib too much right and i really get the sense of especially the scenes with giamatti and vaughn of ad-libbing but it's contained enough to where yes. it, it it works
0: it never it never goes on for too long
1: it, uh i think it was like 21 jump street you had the biggest issue with about that like
0: oh yeah that's uh i mean this is just real talking a little bit but that's it's a jonah hill uh uh Channing Tatum, him and just like the scene that always comes to mind, is, I think they're on drugs. At one oh, point. the one with Rob Riggle? And Rob it Riggle. It just keeps going. It goes on and on and on. Jermani and Vaughn would have cut the shit down to 30 seconds, mm-hmm. and that would have been great.
1: So, eventually the dinner does commence, and it's true, and you know, these are the things you're naive to when you're a little kid, but as an adult, family dinners with tensions in between family members, this is how it really plays out. Like the condescension, little- the passive passive-aggressive, aggressive. yeah. yeah. Um, But Christopher Plummer's there. And, taking notes. Yeah, and basically his evil character here, the Archibald Northcutt, he's taking notes on how he can manipulate the family to his benefit. Because he. it's not explained at this point in the movie, but he definitely has this vendetta against Santa, and he wants to get the whole Christmas thing shut down.
0: Yeah, that's one of the big reveals uh, in the third act.
1: Thoughts on Kathy Bates in this? Because it's really easy with the Titans that we're dealing with here, Plummer, uh, Weiss, Vaughn. Giamatti and uh, Ludacris it's really easy for it to get lost in the shuffle that Kathy Bates is here and she's definitely one of the more decorated american actresses of her life or her generation i should say uh effortless, doesn't phone yeah. it in oh yeah 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 yeah. The, yeah effortless is a good way of describing it but not to the point of like you know, is my check here type of thing.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. She's not uh Malcolm McDowell and uh, Tanger.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Udo Kier from uh, <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic. Uh yeah, it's
0: no she I buy her as a mom that can't help but have a favorite.
1: Yeah, yeah. It really, really flawless is a perfect term for it. So naturally dinner goes awry, uh Fred ends up storming out and he goes to Frosty's Tavern, which one thing that I am a sucker for in any type of movie, whatever realm it is is if you have this fictitious, um, it's probably why I'm such a giant fan of the Simpsons. If you have this fictitious city or environment that you create, that there are fictitious stores and establishments within this fictitious city. And the watering hole, the bar everyone goes to is called Frosty's Tavern. And, Obviously, that's a very minor touch, but it's something that I'm a sucker for, and that's where uh, Vince Vaughn Fred goes to drown his troubles, and he meets back up with Willie there. Elizabeth Banks is there, too, right? It's a slow night at the bar. Yeah, yeah,
0: she's there, then she leaves, and she comes back at the end. Uh,
1: Charlene. Charlene, excuse me, is uh, her character. um, Never really explained why she's there. Oh, I thought you were going to say why she's taller than everybody else. That, too, but, I mean... uh, Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus. They, they, I mean, the- it's such a well-realized
0: world that uh, I think that Dobkin knew that if he got bogged down on explaining every little thing, then then you have the Johnny Mnemonic problem. Yeah. You know, it's actually very... We didn't plan it that way, but this is a really good counterpart to that, where... We don't need to know why Elizabeth Banks is taller than everyone else, why she's like a regular sized person versus like all the elves. But she's working just like you know, it's in the same business.
1: Yeah, it, well, that's the thing too. She's not an elf. She's not involved in the production line. She's more like an intern. She keeps like files, she, yeah. And she's and like stuff.
0: counting. She can tell. She can do the math. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's the movie could get lost explaining that or explaining just how the world works. But they never really they give Vince Vaughn a tour of the facilities that yeah. lasts like maybe
1: a minute and that's it that's all you need and again that's the giant mnemonic problem if you want to present your movie to me just present it and allow me to understand why it is don't right. try to baby like f- spoon feed it to me yeah
0: and let me let me pick what's important you know what's important about elizabeth banks character She's hot. She's hot. I mean, it really is. It sounds like we're being superficial, but no, in this case, for the movie, it is important because uh, Willie has a hots for her.
1: Yeah, and that's it, the entire um, reason for this scene.
0: Right. And you you know what? As a short guy, I can completely relate. <laughs> it's, it's intimidating enough to talk to a girl, a pretty girl, a girl mm-hmm. that's taller than you, even more so. Yeah. So it's just... It's, it provides even something more to relate to. If if the whole Santa Claus dynamics in uh, his family is too much for you, well, you can definitely go for like a little guy that's trying to date uh, a super hot tall girl.
1: Yeah. Uh, character actor John Michael Higgins uh, professes to Fred, uh, confesses rather, that he has the hots for uh, Charlene Elizabeth Banks. He He almost asked her to dance one time, but he couldn't conjure up the courage because he doesn't know how to dance is what he says. And Vince Vaughn and uh, also Dobkin in this situation say, fear not, we got that blank check. Rolling Stones, Beast of Burden, here we go. And uh, one of the greater Rolling Stones songs of all time, I may add. And again, it's Vince Vaughn being Vince Vaughn, and it's so fucking charming. He's teaching uh, Willie how to dance, and he pulls him in, and he has that line of, you know, now pull this big... this this, this boat big to tugboat the to, to yeah. the dock anchors away. And the point is that Willie does get lost in dance, and then he trips and falls, and it's in front of Charlene. And Willie gets upset with Fred and basically thinks he sabotaged him or was trying to embarrass him. But in the end, it all works out. For the purposes of the scene in the moment, getting to hear Rolling Stones is great. And again, more of Vince Vaughn being Vince Vaughn.
0: Just like the ho-ho-ho dances, you can't have enough—just uh, uh, like the ho-ho-ho jokes, you can't mm-hmm. have enough Vince Vaughn dancing. Correct. Again, Dobkin knows what he's working with.
1: He knows what made him the money in Wedding Crashers. Yep. We cut to Christopher Plummer, uh, Archibald Northcutt, who is in full sabotage mode, and he has the uh, Christmas wish lists and also, I think, some of the Naughty or Nice files, and he's just shredding them. Um i was I was tempted to call out the lack of security at the North Pole, but it it doesn't seem like there's too many disgruntled employees there.
0: even later, Santa explains when they they're asking him why didn't you have backup of these files, and he's like, Well, we've never needed them because of course, everybody's good at North Pole, yeah, so why would you expect you know the files to go missing?
1: It's like active shooter drills at elementary schools. Why didn't you
0: have them before?
1: We never needed them.
0: America was better.
1: <laughs> it's true. So this throws a wrench in the plans, and I believe this leads to strike number two that Plummer's able to put down on his little docket. Santa Claus, as well as Mrs. Claus, they all convene together because Fred has become basically a liability at this point at the North Pole. Uh, I can't remember who arranges it, but what it leads to is they attempt to have a family intervention with him. They invite Rachel Weiss, who getting ahead of ourselves because they send like Santa's like security elves to bag and tag him, And we oh, get more yeah, the yeah. three Stooges sound effects. So we get this like really uh, cartoony scene to get him to the location. There's a doctor there. But again, the acting that plays into this, the whole Rachel vice trying to like comprehend what's happening in this situation is because I think it doesn't Vince Vaughn's like, yeah, my brother's Santa Claus. And she's like, I, I know that now. <laughs> It's great
0: because she is – through the entire scene, she's doing the two things. She's trying to just grapple with the fact that that she's surrounded by the Claus family and that Santa's real and all that stuff while at the same time staying true to the purpose of the meeting, which is call Vince Vaughn out on all the stupid shit that he's been doing.
1: Yeah, and they immediately get in it back and forth because he brings up seeing like the Jeffrey Dean Morgan thing.
0: He calls her a dater.
1: Yeah. Did you go on a date? That's all I want to say. That's all I want to say. Uh And it's cool for from watching it from like the acting standpoint, because this is like the one big scene where Rachel gets to like flex her acting muscles, because we talk about like the different layers to it. And you think about the challenges that could propose as an actor like Okay, so in this scene, you want to act like you're having a really hard time understanding what's going on, but like to your point, but you want to stay steadfast in your morals and beliefs in this situation.
0: The entire time, do not be starstruck by the fact that you are surrounded by Paul Giamatti, Kathy Bates, and Vince Vaughn.
1: Dude, the fucking amount of the weight of the awards gold in that room could have sunk the Titanic alone. Uh, but eventually, she gets up and barges out and gets mad. And Rachel
0: Wise is like, I wasn't the mummy, motherfucker. <laughs> I was opposite Brendan Fraser for 90 minutes.
1: I got this he was supposed to take over the world okay uh and then more of just inner family arguing and uh, this is really uh in my opinion Miranda Richardson's scene where she shines because she just takes over yes because Paul Giamatti wants to still be like the diplomat and you know no it's okay we'll figure it out and she's just like he's so fucked up because of Fred and you know has all these health issues and problems. overeating yeah and then you, you got the softball set up too she says like it's impacted their lovemaking, and Vince Vaughn takes it with the Santa having a little trouble getting the sleigh off the ground. And then Giamatti, ho, ho, hold on a minute. It, this scene is the sum of this movie's parts. It's yes. like all of the best things in one.
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's great. And, but it also sets up, it's not just, oh, we're going to put the actors in here, and they're going to riff, and then you could take this scene out, and it wouldn't. It wouldn't affect the movie. It mm-hmm. actually sets the rest of the movie in motion because it puts Vince Vaughn in this, uh, in the mental position to actually do something bad. Mm-hmm. Because what's happening is he's getting blamed for the disappearing files. Yeah. So that already gets him defensive. And then this intervention makes
1: it even worse. And as he leaves to go back to where he's staying with Willie, um, he's confronted by Northcutt, uh, Christopher Plummer, who. Just manipulates him further.
0: Uh, I would say Oscar clip number one. He <laughs> has an amazing monologue about trees.
1: Yeah, the uh, analogy about the tree that is growing in another tree's shadow, how it warps and bends just to try to get some sunlight to get out of the shadow of the other tree. And he goes on this long, like, almost hate-filled rhetoric. Uh, and then he goes, I'm sorry, Christmas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, It's so good. It's so good. I, You forget because... I'm not going to lie. When they first introduced him, I thought, okay, that that makes almost too much sense, Mm -hmm. right? Of course you're going to cast Christopher Plummer to play this character, and yes, it works, but I wish that you had either picked a character that would have been more surprising in that role, Mm -hmm. or or given something other than being the auditor, the strict auditor, and here in this scene, then... He actually gets to take it up a notch. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's why you cast Plummer, because he has the chops.
1: And then if you think like this was his peak, the the character peak. Oh no, yeah. oh no,
0: there's more he has an arc.
1: Yes. So Fred acts like this doesn't bother him and kind of brushes it off, but eventually it's just all led too much and he uh really, really screws up the North Pole's operation because he begins labeling the naughty kids as nice.
0: Right. Because he, he goes to the crystal ball and he looks he 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 wants to check on his buddy from Slam. from role models mm-hmm. and he sees that he's being bullied and then he checks and he sees that his letter like Santa had marked him as naughty. Yeah. And then he's like, Fuck this, marks him as nice, and then he just goes on.
1: Yeah. And you know, thinking he's had an unfair break, that these kids don't deserve an unfair break as right. well. But
0: he makes a great point, and that's another thing hidden this comedy. There's it's not just a critique of how uh, we've turned Christmas into just a money-making enterprise, but also how even from the very beginning, you're just teaching kids that well, you're either good or you're bad, and there's no gray areas. Mm-hmm. There's no like troubled childhood. Yeah, <laughs> it's like well, you're either perfect. Or, or you don't get a present.
1: Yeah, and then Vince Vaughn later in the movie has that line of just like, they're all good kids, just some of them have had a bad break. Right. Yeah. It's like
0: Santa has the power to make it better for them, mm-hmm. and instead he's passing judgment.
1: Yeah. Uh, so he screws up the files, and I think he ends up storming out, and essentially what this leads to, uh, it's again this dichotomy of comedic whimsy and also the very realistic thing of brothers infighting, because, again, because it's Santa, it looks goofy, and Paul Giamatti, to his credit, does take one hell of a bump when he takes a snowball in the face, but, um, it's, it's a snowball fight that eventually turns physical. Yeah, uh, it's... Because Vince Vaughn's like, fuck this, I'm out of here, I'm done.
0: Right, we've been building up to this, and, and the movie, once again, delivers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much experience Dopking has with, with action
1: sequences, mm-hmm. But he, it was—it was pretty simple, you know. He just, didn't try to step too far out of his wheelhouse.
0: He knows. He knows what's needed. You don't need slow mo, bullet time, or anything. You just need to get the job done. Get yeah. them. Get them on the snow fighting, and, and he gets that done.
1: So eventually, it just leads to them on a snowmobile fighting each other, and they crash into like a newsstand at the North Pole. Which again, minor touch that the North Pole is a newsstand, but something that I'm a sucker for. And then they're both there, crashed, laying out. They're. Uh, Nick is clearly fucked up, and uh, he just said, "I never realized until you know now that you hate me." And then Vince Vaughn, with like the soul-crushing line of the movie, he says, "I don't hate you. I just wish you were never born."
0: My note says, "I can't believe what this movie got away with as a PG movie." <laughs> that it- is hat off to Dobkin. I don't know how he fooled the MPAA.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's intense, and especially grappling with it all because it's still he's talking to santa claus so grappling with right. the fact that it's just he's an older brother that his life was ruined by his younger sibling
0: but you need to hear that as a kid i think you know i i'm sure it's not that they mean it but how many little kids just hate their siblings they're like i wish it was better when i was an only kid mm-hmm. and in i think that they can feel guilty about that until they see it in a movie it shows you no it's okay everybody yeah. has those thoughts and you can have it and then take it back and actually feel bad about it together.
1: Mm-hmm. So Fred does end up leaving, and uh, uh, Christopher Plummer becomes aware, basically because he manipulated the situation, becomes aware of the filings being mislabeled. So he rules that strike number three, gives Santa his pink slip, and says, you know, termination of uh, employment. I can't remember exactly what it said. but says, you're fired. He... Boo. Boo. <laughs> But he does have the awesome delivery of This Brings Me No Joy and he's like, what am I talking about? This is a wonderful day for me. Uh, we get Fred back in Chicago. Uh, he was given a present on his way out by uh, his brother Nick. who This is a callback to the opening of the film when Fred was a little kid. He had a birdhouse and a bird that, he, that was like his only friend after his little brother came along. And the tree that the birdhouse was in became the first christmas tree and when it was cut down the birdhouse got smashed and i think in a lot of ways that's the thing he always held against him and yeah uh, i guess
0: uh, it was it was little nick that cut it down yeah but he had good intentions it, the whole movie is also constantly making the point that santa has good intentions. He's just a little oblivious. And
1: he's unaware of how it affects other people.
0: Right. He's like, oh, you like this tree? I'm going to cut it down so we can always have it in the house.
1: Yes. And then- so he gives him a birdhouse and it has a note that says, sorry, I cut down your tree, Nick. And Vince Vaughn doesn't really know what to make of it. Fred's still kind of rattled by it all. Um, so we cut to a Siblings Anonymous meeting where this is like back to the real world aspect of the movie. Um but as soon as you think you're back in the real world, there's too many stars around to be grounded in reality. Uh, again, this a big chunk of the budget went here, but also I think it, it works for it. Because what it is, is these younger or uh, siblings, not younger or older, it could uh, depend, but basically those that have famous siblings that make them feel inferior. And asking someone, a celebrity who's probably dealt with that, to put that to film is probably difficult. But Dobkin got um, Frank Stallone. He got uh, Roger Clinton and, uh, most importantly, Stephen Baldwin.
0: Probably the hardest get, except that you might remember that Christopher Plummer and Stephen Baldwin were together in The Usual Suspects. This is so true. I think that's how he got the in to Baldwin. Because Baldwin doesn't just do any
1: movie. He yeah. actually... Well, and one especially where it's acknowledging that like, I've lived in the shadow of my far more successful sibling. Right. Yeah. So it's actually this good scene of you know um, bringing to light how inferior you can feel by, you know, being someone's uh, younger sibling. And then I believe it's Roger Clinton has the line of, you know, I couldn't control being the brother to the president, but I could control being the brother to Bill. And then, like, this whole wave of realization washes over Fred Claus. Is
0: this the first and possibly only time in a movie where – there's been some sort of clinton redemption <laughs> where you've like he somebody associated with the clinton well, family because became... he does have
1: the line of it i could have brought down the house <laughs> uh and then stephen baldwin's character in this stephen baldwin is just very fueled by anger and the leader the sponsor of the group has to remind him hey that's not alec and they have to go through like this talking exercise with it and uh very brave from all involved frank salone Stephen Baldwin and uh, Roger, Roger Clinton, Clinton they yeah. just, just bear it all for the sake of comedy. Really funny, but at the same time, like I've never been in that situation, but it makes you think about those types of things of how you would be in that, if, especially like if your fucking sibling was the president or some shit. But. Right. So Fred realized, when he's trying to explain, though, that my brother's Santa Claus, and like, is this a fucking joke to you? And then uh, the sponsor's like, maybe to Fred, his brother is Santa Claus. <laughs> Yes, but my brother is actually Santa Claus.
0: <laughs> yes, my brother, to me, my brother is Santa Claus, because my brother is Santa Claus.
1: Yes. Um. So Fred realizes the error of his ways, and then he needs to correct all this, so he takes the $50,000 that Nick did, he lived up to his agreement, and gave him his money, so he takes that to travel back to the North Pole, and we get like this Walter Mitty-esque travel scene of him. He's having to take a private plane there, like one of those little Buddy Holly planes, and then... um. He's on a freighter ship, and then he's like hiking and runs into a Sherpa somewhere that directs him where to go. So he's there, and he he wants to save Christmas, and he arranges with the elves that the two easiest gifts to make for boys and girls are baseball bats and hula hoops.
0: It's kind of a shame that this movie didn't hit it big because that would have brought back baseball bats and hula hoops like back in style. Should have uh, for the purpose of the movie, though, it works.
1: Yeah, and then he goes to kind of galvanize. Santa, and he goes to find uh, Nick, and he's in bad shape. And man, only Paul Giamatti. (laughs)
0: That's, That's his Oscar clip.
1: This is the definitive Oscar clip of the movie, of he's bedridden and he can get up, but he, again, the layers of acting, he wants to get up, and he wants to help, but he knows he can't, and he knows that him not getting up, he's realizing the weight of the situation. Right, right. And it's like crushing him, and... The interaction between him and Fred is great because Fred's just like, Yeah, just get up, just do it. And he's like, No, I can't do that. Um, The realization here comes, though, of because it is a Christmas movie, you need to figure out the logistics of this. So he tells Willie, You know, hey, you're the head elf, you're going to deliver these. And he says, No, I can't. Only a clause can deliver it. And then there's like a brief, almost comedic, like eyes batting around the room of like, Oh, well, Fred can do it. And then Fred asks to have the moment alone with. Santa, or so he's, I want to talk to my brother, Nick, and this would be the clip they would have shown at the 2008 Oscars.
0: Right. Well, yeah, I, I think that is, uh, uh, it's probably Vaughn's Oscar clip. You know, like I think that you have Jammadi's Oscar clip, which is when you first see Santa on his, on his deathbed. hmm And then you have, uh, uh, Oh, so this bonds, scene gave Oscar, us two Oscar clips. Right, I okay. think so. I okay. think they brought it. It's, it's probably the most like serious scene. Uh, well, no, there's also like the one with, with plumber later. But mm. definitely, you know, that's them just not really going for laughs and going for, for actual sentiment.
1: Yeah. Acting with a capital A. And again, the situation is so ridiculous that in the wrong hands.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong director, wrong actors. You just, this would have been a catastrophe.
1: Only Paul Giamatti. So Fred figures out, fuck it, I gotta do this, so he suits up and he goes to deliver the presents. Um, It's your standard Santa delivering presents montage, except for the one exception, he goes and visits uh, Slam in the um, uh, orphanage. And he gives him the puppy that he had been talking about the whole time. We do get this it, not really ominous, but really like artistic shot. Oh, I
0: love it—the the profile shot. Yeah, of, it's uh, a
1: because he doesn't want him to know that it's him, so he has like the side of the hat draped over. But he tells him, you know, hey, you got some bad advice a while back. You need to, you know, understand that the world's not a bad place, and gives him this like really good insight. And that's
0: the that's the shot that they use for the the director of photography nomination.
1: I was going to say the Criterion cover. Oh, no, that too. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as you may think that we're getting a bit too sappy and like ooey gooey and sentimental, he tells them all this really nice shit and he gets this puppy and it's almost like this tear jerking scene. He gets up to leave and then slams like, yeah, you're right. By the way, Santa, here's your wallet. Back. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Plummer gets wind that they're still going through with this despite the fact that Santa's been um, fired. So he goes and shuts down the whole operation. You know, he shuts off all the power, tells everyone to fuck off and go home. So, the end result of this is Fred and Willie are kind of flying blind. Yeah, they are lose their GPS. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, Plummer is really proud of himself walking around, seeing everything shut down. And this would be, I would almost say, this is like the best picture clip.
0: <laughs> I mean, either that or, yeah, because Plummer's Oscar clip is the, the tree monologue, right? Exactly, yeah, this yeah. is, yeah, this is the, which is amazing because the movie's called Fred Claus, mm-hmm. right? So, you would think that, the, It would be the best picture clip would be about Vince Vaughn doing something, and Mm -hmm. they could have gone that way. But really, yes, you're right. This is the heart. The movie, yes, the protagonist is Fred. Yeah. But really, I think the one that really gets explored is Santa, Mm -hmm. Uh, because you really get to see layers of him that you never would have seen anywhere else in any other movie.
1: So before Fred goes to deliver the presents, he does deliver that line we mentioned of "there's no bad kids, they're just bad situations." Every uh-huh. every kid deserves that, a present. That's the Oscar clip. Yeah, every kid deserves a present on Christmas. And because of this, Santa's had some real moments of reflection and you know self realization. So at this point, he remembers Plummer. He says, "Clyde Archibald Northcutt." He's like, "You were the most naughty on the naughty list of 1968." And then like a really great throwaway line. He's like, "Oh man, that was a naughty year." <laughs> So come to find out, the whole reason that uh Plummer's taken such joy in this is that Northcutt as a child had glasses and was made fun of for having glasses. So all he wanted was a Superman cape because Clark Kent had glasses, but when he took the glasses off, he was Superman. And he never got it, so it really damaged his joy. And So Santa, Nick, says, you know, I've had some realizations and I may have made a terrible insight. So now, you know, I may be a little late, but here you go. Um, but the back and forth with this... Like, if you just read this on a, like, the dialogue on a piece of paper, it would sound so stupid.
0: But you have Jamadi and Plummer, and they pull it off. Yeah. You can see Plumber melting as Jamadi. I mean, he's resistant, then he opens a present, and it's a Superman cape. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so good. His his reaction, you know, because Jamadi has put it on.
1: Yeah. And, and then he said, like, I'm a 45 year old man. I'm not going to. And he's like, for me. It's just this amazing (laughs) Paul Giamatti delivery. And then he puts it on and then he goes, "Ah, glasses off. And, you know, you feel whole. It is a Christmas movie after all. So all the presents get delivered just barely on time. Uh, The big culmination of this is sunrises and everyone's waiting at Frosty's Tavern to know if they can celebrate or not. Uh, Willie comes back in, stands on a chair, gives Elizabeth Banks a big kiss. Um, That's, That's all we wanted. All us short guys wanted to see in this movie. It's a perfect war moment, too, because he has his helmet from flying, and he just throws it off and comes in. Yeah. He's been through hell. Yeah. And uh, Fred shows up, and he says, we did it. And so everyone gathers. They have a few drinks, go and gather around the big um, snow globe. Watch all the kids open their presents on Christmas morning. You had mentioned, like, what the fuck happened with Rachel Vice?
0: Yeah, I was like, okay, they probably... For, for time-restrained reasons, you know, Dobkin is a responsible filmmaker. He doesn't want to make this three-hour-long Christmas epic, mm-hmm. so he had to cut some stuff out. And I'm assuming he just cut the visit to Rachel Weiss. Yeah, But no, he was just smart, and he
1: saved it for last. All right, very fair, because he shows up, and he's, again, smooth-talking Vince Vaughn. And he gives her a, a Christmas gift, and it's uh, a throwback to something she said about he— once made up this situation where they were going to go to Paris together, and he gives her a little doll with a, a teddy bear, excuse me, with a French flag, and says, "You know, we got a ride to catch something, something zippy like that." Well, they
0: first have- he says, uh, "I I ended my lease. I'm moving in."
1: Oh, that's right. He talks him, he talks himself into living with her. Yeah,
0: which is really a Christmas present for him. <laughs> but that's fine. He's earned it.
1: Yes, at this point he. He's learned the true meaning of uh, family and Christmas, but he's still Vince Vaughn a little bit, so he's still got that salesman's tongue about him. So, but the real gift is he takes her to the uh, Eiffel Tower in Paris and has Willie cart him around, and he has the line about like, "She is this okay? It's a company car. We can do whatever we want." <laughs> and uh, Christmas is saved, and Fred and his brother Nick. It ends with them uh, at New Year's. Like Nick comes to Chicago. And the whole family's there having dinner with uh, uh, Wanda and Fred.
0: Uh, Christopher Plummer is just now uh, a supervisor. That's they, right. They hired him as a
1: consultant. Yeah, he takes him on at the North Pole so they they can basically streamline all production.
0: And he, he still wears his cape under his sweater.
1: Yeah, and uh, Nick comes by and tucks it in because he sees it hanging out. He's like, the hell of a sweater you got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it is a Christmas movie after all, so we need a happy ending. And a happy ending is what we get.
0: Yeah, and then it's like directed by... Dobkin, which we knew, and then written by Dan Fogelman. Was a Dan it, Fogelman joined.
1: Was it written by? Yeah. Yeah, Dan Fogelman and Jesse Nielsen, and uh, produced by Vince Vaughn. He was a uh, co-producer on it.
0: Much reviled Dan Fogelman, a creator of Crazy Stupid Love.
1: I think he used all of his goodwill on this movie. Because, yeah, that that's not a movie I would say is...
0: Uh... He's, he didn't have Dobkin to rein him in, in uh, Crazy Stupid Love.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Because Cars, Fred Claus, and Bolt, he had a, a trifecta there. Of he had a good run. Yeah, and then Crazy Stupid Love, The Guilt Trip, Last Vegas. He peaked early.
0: <laughs> uh, just to remind listeners, I did plug a few episodes ago his latest movie. Life itself which has been hated throughout most of the internet well but, that's uh, where
1: he got away from you know what brought him to the dance he didn't just write it <laughs> but he also directed it so
0: <laughs> but yeah that was that was considering's corner on the 20%er that
1: was Fred Claus it was Fred Claus and uh, yeah I don't know if I have anything else to add I think I'm ready to take it away let's let's go to real talk let's do go ahead would you would you like to take a turn now? My name is uh, Fred Claus. Hi, Fred. Hi, Fred.
0: Hi. I'm uh, uh, I'm Santa Claus's brother, and yeah, I got a lot of stuff going on uh, because of it. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of um, a lot of juice in the tank
1: over it, and uh, is this a joke to you, oh, Stephen? By the way. Hi, Stephen. Hey, guys, what's up? I mean, because this isn't funny to all of us here in the group. This is very serious to us. And I'm feeling very uncomfortable with where you're coming from. Steven, maybe to him, his brother is Santa Claus. I feel like my
0: brother's Santa Claus. Yeah, but I feel like my brother's Santa Claus because my brother really is Santa Claus. All right, that's enough, all right? You and I got a problem. All right, Steven, easy, easy, all right. Steven, easy. (laughs) That's not Alec, okay? Don't look at me. Look at him. That's not Alec.
1: That's not Alec. I'm not Alec. You know what
0: I mean? All right,
1: let's stomp it out. It's not not Alec. Alec. Stephen, Alec's not going to hear that. How's he going to?
0: That's not Alec. Okay, that's not Alec. That's not Alec. That's not Alec. That's not Alec. All right. Now that you've got Alec's attention, Stephen, what do you want to tell him? Stephen? Stephen? I think I know where you're coming from because I used to be really, really angry with my brother. I didn't want to become first brother, especially for the rest of my life. I couldn't control that. I couldn't control being brother of the President of the United States, but I could control being Bill Clinton's brother. And I made the decision, even though I could have brought the house down, I made the decision that for the love of my brother and for the love of my family name, that I was gonna do whatever it took Because I loved my brother. And I was always going to be there for my brother. And I have been. And you know what? You can be too. Okay, we are recording for Real Talk.
1: All right, Real Talk for Fred Claus. It is a good movie.
0: Is it? I don't know. Rotten Tomatoes is
1: 20%. It does. Um, It's it's not uh, fresh. It is definitely not. It is a rotten splotch. It's... Again, we mentioned this in the first portion, directed by David Dobkin, off the heels of Wedding Crashers, starring of course Vince Vaughn, Paul Giamatti, uh, written by Dan Fogelman, who again looked like he was on a hot streak there, but kind of shit the bed shortly after. I've never seen Tangled. Uh, he wrote that. It's in Cars good. too. No. Uh, released on November seventh, two thousand seven. Like I mentioned, I specifically remember screening it. Uh, budget of one hundred million. Box office return of slightly under ninety eight million. So. Not a bomb, but definitely nothing to necessitate a sequel. Uh, I always forget the poster is extremely misleading for the movie because it has like a very disapproving looking Paul Giamatti in the background while Vince Vaughn rides a tricycle. That's not...
0: Giamatti is anything but disapproving in this movie.
1: Yeah, so 20%, meaning there are some people that liked it Uh, before we launch into our uh, quotes from our... Uh, film reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes, just letting you know, like I mentioned in the first portion, uh, this is the segment of the podcast we refer to as Real Talk, where we talk about how we really feel about this movie. Right. Do we really think it's good? So the 20% that did approve of it,
0: uh, two, what did they say? Two out of every 10 dentists recommend Fred Claus, <laughs> And those that do, like Vince Kohler from Entertainment Spectrum, say, a true Christmas classic to take the whole family to and enjoy Put up your tree in anticipation of this film and get in the spirit, because this film will definitely cause you to. So this film will definitely cause you to. There you go. Oh, you missed, missed it, opportunity. Man. Fred Topple from Can Magazine says, I'm so glad there's another Fred movie. I've been getting Drop Dead Fred and Right Said Fred since I was in middle school. <laughs> uh, Roger Moore from the Orlando Sentinel says, Friend, you may find yourself wondering how we ever survived the holidays without a Christmas dose of Vince. Uh, Lisa Kennedy from the Denver Post says, There's no more fleet talker flapping his lips with free associative plum than Vaughn, and he uses his edgy powers for good here. That's the entire movie. Yeah. And finally, Bill Gibram from Pop Matters says, Fred Claus is the perfect post-millennial holiday film. It's funny, smart, wicked, warm, and above all, completely clued in to our growing crass commercialization of Christmas.
1: That's a lot of what you said. Yeah. Uh looks like it was loosely based on a book from 2000 named A Legend of Santa and His Brother Fred uh written by Donald hinkle based on the the uh cover of this children's book doesn't look like Vince Vaughn was too much of the uh <laughs> modeling of the image uh they did, did, did they did re-release the book with Vince Vaughn and
0: paul Giamatti on like the, the cover like
1: illustrated Vince Vaughn yeah um yeah, that that last one was a lot of what you said. No, this is a movie I remember screening and really enjoying it, never really understanding the bad, uh, the really negative reaction that it got, and rewatching it today. There's a few parts of it that are like, meh, 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 but uh, I, I don't mean to speak for you, but I think we had a pretty good time watching it. I really enjoyed it.
0: I laughed all through it. Yeah. I just, uh, 20%, what the hell? That's, and I might have mentioned this in our mix Nuts episode. Is it just that at Christmas, people, critics included. Well yeah, not just more cynical, just more sensitive in general. And uh the fact that this is a a PG movie that might be a little I would say, I don't know, even is it edgier? I don't know. You, You know, you think PG, you think I'm not gonna have to talk to my kids about anything after the movie. They're just gonna watch it and then be happy. And here, it brings up a lot of stuff that I think young kids would be maybe confused yeah. about. And, and my, I think that, you know, resentment towards the fact that, oh, you promised me a PG movie and you gave me a <laughs> PG-13 movie <laughs> might have maybe had something to play, had something to do with that.
1: Um, one of my thoughts on it is that uh, Elf had only been released four years prior. And like the notion of this and like the poster and everything, you think it's kind of going to be like Elf? It's Vince Vaughn's Elf. Yeah, and it's not at all like that. So I don't know if that played a part in it. Um yeah, I don't get the negative reaction towards it because I even I, – we mentioned this in Contrarian's Corner, but I was being genuine in saying I think it does a pretty fascinating job of straddling the lines between like present-day Chicago and fictitious North Pole.
0: And and, and comedy and drama in the sense – I mean it never even goes full on drama, but mm-hmm. you have those moments, right? Like the reveal that the kid's an orphan and then the the whole thing with, with uh, Plummer, the, his arc. That's, mm-hmm. that's some – I wouldn't say it's not like hardcore, but it's yeah, it's pretty sentimental in a, in a big way uh, that maybe you don't expect in a PG movie. So I think,
1: th- and all the like embarrassment of riches that is the A list cast of this movie, none of them phoned it in. They're they're all there fully committed. Yeah, and especially I I would say comfortably that the MVP of the movie is Paul Giamatti.
0: Yes, yes, I you know. I would have a hard time picking my favorite uh, because I think they all do so well with Mm -hmm. what they're given. Uh,
1: I mean, Vince Vaughn. I mean, Vince Vaughn is Vince Vaughn, but he's just so funny. But it's facilitated in a way that's so, like, such a positive for the movie.
0: Right. And I think, I keep going back to the rating, but PG Vince Vaughn, that has to have taken some work. Yeah, you know that's uh,
1: like where's all the stuff that's on the cutting room floor for this movie, <laughs> right? Uh, let's uh, let's not take
0: him for granted. I, I, I think that he probably needed to very consciously put in the work to tone himself
1: down, especially this being the follow up to Wedding Crashers, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he had to switch gears, uh, but yeah, Jamadi really, I, I I did mean it. And Contrary's Corner, I think that the biggest accomplishment in this movie is that it layers Santa in a way that that you were not expecting. Mm-hmm. It. He he starts with this kind of a, a bit of a simpleton, like really super nice guy. But then by the end of the movie, he's understood that maybe he wasn't doing things as well as he thought he was. Yeah. And he's acknowledged that maybe he played some part in messing up his older brother.
1: Yeah. And uh, Kathy Bates, like you said, her whole thing of just... I completely buy her in this role. Yeah. Like, it makes sense. Even by the
0: end, he's, she's still, it's not like she was magically fixed and became a much better parent. She's no. still...
1: Like, her last line is like telling him he needs to dress better and stuff.
0: Right, but... right. It, she she might even say like, you need to be a little more like your brother, mm-hmm. but she, there's definitely a lot more warmth to it than than when you've seen her before.
1: Yeah. And, and again, just going back to not understanding the critical reaction to this, because especially, we've said this a few times in the previous portion, but, Dude, this movie, in the wrong hands, could have been just absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Like, some of the dialogue, you need top-notch actors to get away with, like, something like that. And then for them to pull it off convincingly is, like, the scene with fucking uh, Northcutt and Santa about the Santa cape. And, like, they're arguing back and forth about it. It's just, like, if you just, like I said, if you just read this on a piece of paper, it would sound really silly. But then you have, like, these two masters of their craft pulling it off convincingly. It's,
0: It's really it goes back to Plummer as an actor because i i really enjoyed that he goes full on evil and then manages to make a believable turn mm-hmm. into somebody that was just uh hurting yeah <laughs> you know and then, and now he's a good guy by the end uh his his little monologue about the tree that's that's something
1: yeah and then like the, the way he his facial reaction the selling of when he opens it up and sees the superman cape it's just like this is so silly, but they're so good at this. And then on the other side of that, with you know, from every really strangely emotional scene with Paul Giamatti and Plummer, you have just the classic Vince Vaughn, like the scene where rubbernecking by Elvis plays and yeah. he's just dancing about to it. It's I don't know if there could be something more quintessential Vince Vaughn other than the scene of him on the street with the bell like ringing up for money. And, oh,
0: I thought that his first, his opening when he's just talking to the girl. It oh, just, I forgot about that, yeah. That is just Vince Vaughn to a T in in, in a good way. It, he's mm-hmm. just great. Uh, he, I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's not like he's ever stopped being funny, but I think that, I don't know if it's just like Vince Vaughn overkill, mm-hmm. right? That at some point you just got tired of seeing him play that character or just him taking on projects that were not... There's only so much he can do, Yeah, right? That there's that movie with... Uh, where he's an intern at Google with uh, somebody uh, with the somebody? Internship,
1: else? I think it's called. It's him and Owen Wilson. It's Owen Wilson?
0: Yeah. 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 It might be the Internship. I was thinking the the newer movie is called The Intern, and so theirs might be the Internship. Oh, my God. <laughs> I
1: forgot about that. Um, Yeah, but it, it's like any other... I, of course, I'm blanking now, but we've talked about actors and using them in the right way. If you have the right supporting like ship around them, then, yeah, you can sail to... The highest C's, but if what's around them is not good and not conducive to what they're good at, then. We're... Right. So, what
0: you're saying is if this was just Vince Vaughn mm-hmm. doing his Vince Vaughn thing, but he didn't have the support, the stellar support of pretty much everybody else in this movie, then yeah, it might get old really fast. That's
1: wedding crashers. And that's like people always just think of Vince Vaughn, basically, when I. That's an overgeneralization, but when I talk to people, they always bring up Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson and like quotes like. You motorboating son of a bitch, which isn't at all one of the funniest parts of that movie, but that's, like, the biggest one. But in that movie, you have Christopher Walken, Bradley Cooper, uh, Rachel McAdams. Like, yeah. You have this big surrounding Isla Fisher. Cast. Oh, yeah, and she's wonderful in that. But uh, to the point of that, yeah, then that's, I think, where the failings are with some of these Vince Vaughn movies, and that's that's not a knock. Sometimes you're just not a leading man. Sometimes you're not enough to carry an entire movie.
0: I mean, but you would say he is the leading man here, right? Yes,
1: yeah. and he can be the leading man, but uh, he's not a leading man in, like, the way, like, Castaway. Like, Tom Hanks carries that entire movie. I wouldn't have that same confidence in Vince Vaughn to carry a movie like that. It's
0: just like talking to Wilson for two hours.
1: <laughs> You're a ball. That's great. Here's what you got to do. Uh, but because of that, he can be the leading man. He just needs to have the right support around him. And in this, it's like a cast of titans. And I don't mean that at all facetiously because you do have right. some, like, fantastic actors in this. And... um that that's I, I just i can't especially now watching it after all the movies we've done and everything and revisiting this movie i don't understand such the negative reaction uh i think sometimes people because it's a fucking christmas movie it's a santa movie you have to suspend your disbelief for some shit like that's how it works i i think sometimes people judge christmas movies too harshly because of like Gaps in logic. Right. This doesn't like make that.
0: sense. Why is Jamadi super old and Vince Vaughn looks like Vince Vaughn?
1: Yeah. I, I, it, stuff like that. And I think sometimes especially more cynical critics can put those glasses on before watching this. right? Like to f- try to f- force negative opinions towards it.
0: Well, that's the other thing because I said I think that uh, a Vince Vaughn comedy now – has a different preconception that a Vince Vaughn comedy right after Wedding Crashers, right? Mm-hmm. At Wedding Crashers he's he's hot. Yeah. And so you're going in expecting expecting to laugh. Whereas like by now it he's made so many comedies that have been poorly received that when you go in you're going with low expectations. So the other thing is that maybe you're expecting the kind of raunchier humor uh, you're, you're expecting something that you didn't get with Fred Claus, mm-hmm. uh, even though you were getting a version of it. Yeah. So that might have been part of it too.
1: And it could be also, uh, like I said, people would have wanted, you could easily make an R-rated movie out of this. With All this right, whole you mentioned premise, that yeah. when we were watching it. And I don't know if that was part of its failing, because like you said, coming off this to like, cookie cutter Vince Vaughn and I think maybe some of the more like sappy scenes people could get turned off by but at the end of the day it's still like a kid it was a movie geared towards kids
0: but that's like a Dan Fogelman staple yeah right and and I think that this one proves that you can build up to those scenes and they work mm-hmm. um, our I know we, we've we talked about crazy stupid love so many times <laughs> and I think that we always make the same point which is that it doesn't really earn that sentiment that it gets at the end <sighs> uh, there's not a good build up but here, I think that it, all the steps are right there. Mm-hmm. You you don't get to *Plumber's Redemption* just randomly. No, it's it's very well because it's tied into the fact that it acknowledges uh, Santa's own flaws. Yeah, right. He was being he was judging kids, and he created Christopher Plummer <laughs> as yeah. a result of that.
1: And then some of the other scenes that you get to the line of just like bordering on too sappy. Like I said, the Santa here's your wallet back. Like you always right. have these things to the pull you back into. In. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, I, I mean I would hate to think that a movie like this would scare people away from taking on projects like this again. Like just and I obviously mean that in a more being overly dramatic sense, melodramatic, but uh Paul Giamatti is legitimately good in this as Santa Claus. Like it it's he's funny. He plays the character to a T, but also the layers of it of like it's so funny to see Santa Claus is the one that's most concerned with keeping peace in his family and making sure everything's okay. And, and even Rachel Vice, uh, not too much to speak of, of her role in this in terms of, obviously, it's just kind of here and there, but when she's on screen, she makes the most of it.
0: She's funny. Mm-hmm. She, It would be pretty easy to just feel that she's being uh, also used as eye candy. I mean, we'll, we'll speak about Elizabeth Banks in a minute, but uh, I think that she she manages to make herself uh memorable, yeah right, she comes in and she's she's sassy enough to keep up with vince vaughn and and she doesn't really get pushed around by him that much, mm-hmm. you know, just enough to where you can establish that he's a charmer, but she does kick him out at some point or, or you know just tells him to go home, she doesn't yeah. uh right before he goes to the North Pole, and then when she shows up to the intervention, she doesn't put up with the shit, she also walks out then uh so i I think that even though she doesn't have much screen time when she's there she's funny and she's she feels strong yeah uh now elizabeth bangs is probably like my one complaint about the movie i guess uh there's no way that at this point in her career she was you know we knew by now that she was funny yeah right i don't know like where she was like at, 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 like what movies she had done before and and what movies she was about to do after but yeah, this she,
1: is after 40 old Virgin. She had a pretty big part in that movie. Yeah,
0: she gets... It's a nothing part. That that would be like my main knock against it. It's just that... I mean, it's fine. Like we said in the church corner, it's vital to that little plot line that she needs to be gorgeous and intimidating to mm-hmm. Willie. But you could have given her some lines. Yeah. You know she's funny.
1: Yeah, that that's... I mean, missed opportunity. Uh, I don't know what I would have done with her or anything like that, but at the same time, yeah, her character's... It seems like anyone could have played that, right? It didn't just have to be Elizabeth Banks,
0: and because we know that Elizabeth Banks has been great in so many other things, you're like, what is she doing here? What? Mm-hmm. Especially because everybody else that gets a cameo does. I mean, even the comedian, right? He comes in, he's there for like three minutes, but he makes an
1: impression. He's such a charmer. Yeah, God, he's a handsome man. Uh, and then, yeah, I kind of gushed about it in Contrarians Corner, but it, the Frank Stallone, Roger Clinton, and uh, Stephen Baldwin scene was really funny it it almost seemed kind of out of place like where the movie was going but like I said the message in the end pulls it together Uh and just uh, Stephen Baldwin and Frank Stallone Frank Stallone have that awesome line sometimes I feel like my brother's Santa Claus (laughs) (laughs) very entertaining uh and just kind of I could see also for a kids movie this might be a little bit long I I think that's Scenes like that, I think if you didn't like the length, you could point to it as like should have been shorter, but... right?
0: Yeah, as adults, it flew by,
1: yeah, and especially that scene too. Like, it's integral for Fred to understand why he needs to like redeem himself with his brother, but then also, and see, that's the trap you run into with kids' movies kids don't know who the fuck Frank Stallone or Roger Clinton, or even that. I mean, most adults don't know who Stephen Baldwin is, but uh, <laughs> just kidding,
0: it's been a while since the usual suspects,
1: it has, and I forgot about that scene in that, yeah, his famous scene the improv the, give me the fucking money a cocksucker motherfucker <laughs> Are, you know like you know how many times i've seen I was just like he he doesn't seem to know what i'm talking about i
0: was big on the usual suspects before plumber won the oscar for it okay so I'm, I'm original original fan base og
1: on uh ogf b usual suspects uh yeah, I mean, it's for a Christmas movie, all the little Christmas charm and cheer and all that shit's there. Uh, it's funny. I mean, you don't really have too many R-rated Christmas movies. And I think if they had gone that direction, especially with a $100 million budget, they would have risked not recouping that. And I think there's enough goofiness in this that I'm sure – I don't remember the trailer of the TV spots, but I'm sure they really just focused on, like – the dancing and like the goofiness of it all. The
0: fight. I, I remember that. I've oh, never yeah. seen this movie before, and all I remember
1: from trailers or ads was just the big fight. Paul Giamatti taking that big back bump after getting hit in the face <laughs> with it. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. So I think it may just be a victim of the type of movie it is, not knowing its place in terms of like where to go on the scale. Do we market towards adults? Do we market towards kids? Obviously marketing as a children's movie helped out because of the budget was so high that you need to probably do that in that situation to ensure you'll make it back but uh, maybe it just got lost in the shuffle and didn't know its place it doesn't um, I'm saying this from a perspective of it doesn't really have a legacy and also it just we'll, seems, we'll fix that yeah I would hope so it just seems like critics didn't know what to make of it and that's probably because the movie didn't know where to assign itself I guess I uh,
0: yeah I mean it's uh, the elf thing the elf factoid actually makes makes a lot of sense oh about elf coming out right if you go in expecting it to be another elf right because will ferrell also a comedian with a very specific brand of comedy and -hmm. then he surprises everybody being lovable Mm -hmm. and kid-friendly and elf so you expect the same thing here and it's not that's not quite what you get no you probably yeah yeah you probably enjoyed more as an adult even though as a kid you would have an okay time
1: I think yeah, because Elf, there's a lot of, and, and to me the, throwing back to like all the, cartoon sound effects, it felt like that was shoehorned in there for kids to know, like I'm supposed to be laughing at this now. Yeah, there's some stuff that, uh,
0: I, I mean, I didn't care, but yeah, I could have done without the the Santa black belt squad kidnapping. Yeah, uh, you know Vince Vaughn.
1: I, it, it, it like when we were watching it, it took those things to remind me that it's a kids movie. Yep. So, yeah, and I think that's a fair, that the Elf thing may be the fairest com- comparison because also Elf has a lot more ha-ha, I fell on attack type humor than this does, like for kids to laugh at. So it, it that doesn't at all explain why critics didn't like it. I, I was looking at Bad Santa right now to see if what the, uh, Jesus Christ, $23 million budget and $76 million return, so maybe you can market a Santa uh, Christmas movie as an R rating. Um, I enjoy it. I will watch it again. I will work it into my holiday It'll rotation. It'll be the holiday
0: rotation. Yeah. I today I was I was listening to a, actually it was the Epic Film Guy's latest episode and they were talking about their Christmas movies and what movies they watch on Christmas and I, I don't have that. You do. I never re, I hardly ever rewatch movies to begin with. Oh, I do not have the time man. <laughs> I I rewatch movies when I'm here with you if mm-hmm. we're doing it for the show or if I'm showing like a movie to Kelly or a friend but just on my own if I'm by myself I don't usually like put a movie on the already scene because there's so many movies that I haven't seen yet. Uh I mean unless I'm putting something on for background noise I'm going to go to bed, you know. Yeah. with that in the background or something but uh I it, and I definitely don't have a Christmas rotation cuz I usually work on Christmas. So uh It it got me thinking about what I would put on my Christmas playlist if I had one. Mm -hmm. I don't have an answer because (laughs) I was thinking about that on my drive here. But it's, uh, I don't know, I I, I think it's a very, I guess, interesting uh, tradition, I guess, Christmas tradition that I'm definitely, I've never, like, taken part of. You have, like, what, 10 movies on your Christmas rotation? And they range from Reindeer Games to The Family Family Stone.
1: Stone. Yeah, my parents always they always like to watch uh, White Christmas with Bing Crosby on Christmas Eve. We try to work that in. Uh, elf, obviously. Um, I i do have, I just mentioned it, but I do have Bad Santa in there because that, that movie is fucking hilarious. Um, what else is on there?
0: I've never seen Elf, by the way. All my Elf knowledge comes from just how much everybody talks about it. I it, heard it's on Netflix. I, I mean, I'll get I, around to it.
1: It's probably a bit overhyped. But it's still really funny, and James Kahn is very good in it. And um, Tyrion Lannister, what's his name?
0: Really, he's in it. I didn't know that. What, Peter, uh, Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Yeah,
1: yeah. He uh, he has a really good part of like he's like this really rich, super pompous like children's author, and Will Ferrell like sees him and starts calling him an elf, and then like Peter Dinklage like beats the shit out of him. So it's <laughs> yeah, it's worth checking out. It's. There's a reason it has its place in the pop culture lexicon is like this Christmas classic uh, Home Alone. I mean, there are all the ones I would go to are just cliches. I, I haven't watched Black Christmas in a few years. The original one, not the '05 5 remake. Um, it's a wonderful life. Mm, really? That's one of those movies I know, like to some people it would kill my credibility and quotations is like the ability to critique film. But it's one of those. I saw it once. I'm good. Oh, well, you saw it twice I, I mean obviously being a bit <laughs> hyperbolic but yeah I think I've probably seen it three or four times and aside from hey way to go Clarence like it's just <laughs> nothing's really stuck with me Um, that's unfair I get why it's a classic it's just I don't feel the I mean, need say, to you
0: seemed it. a lot higher on it when we watched it but that was several years ago because it is
1: great it's just a movie that I don't really feel the need to rewatch over and over again
0: is it better than Fred Claus
1: of course, <laughs> but, but I would probably watch Fred Claus again, like if you gave me the option of the two, just so I can get my Paul Giamatti Oscar scenes. Um, and this Christmas, and this segues into plugs, this Christmas I will be uh, watching Batman Mask of the Phantasm because it will be the 25th anniversary of that movie. It came out on Christmas Day in 1993, a movie that was lost in the shuffle because they didn't really know how to advertise for it. Uh, the gr- Another Fred Gloss. N- no, this this is on a different uh, fucking uh, plateau of filmmaking. Uh, the best Batman movie ever made, animated or not. And I
0: know better than to challenge you on this. <laughs> but-
1: <laughs> if you could see us actually recording right now, I'm literally putting like bait out in front of Julio. I'm like, here you go. Uh, no, that to me, the best Batman movie ever made um, was not really marketed at all. It was released in limited theaters. It was also there was confusion from people that were following the animated series. Cause initially it was supposed to be the conclusion to the animated series. Like that's how it was supposed to end. And it didn't. And I've gone on and on about that movie here on the podcast, but uh, they did release the blu-ray this year. So I believe if you get on Amazon prime, you can still get it before Christmas Eve. Uh, it's amazing. The restoration works really, really incredibly in some scenes. Other ones, it's not too noticeable specifically the opening title credits. When I watched that on blu-ray, I was just like screaming at my TV. I was just <laughs> like, Oh my God. Um, so that is my plug. Also, Bad Santa. I think I'm going to go watch that tonight because we've been talking about it. And, um, yeah, everyone have a happy Christmas, a merry Christmas, and happy holidays. Uh, we got to give props to the Festive Years for once again in another year, providing our opening and closing tracks. Opening track, uh, Last Stand, closing track, Summer 99 from the album Don't Let Me Use You. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to the designer of our logo. Our buddy Hans
0: Rothgeiser who doesn't only uh, design logos, but he also has a podcast, Nacion Combi. It's in Spanish. If you know Spanish or you want to practice your Spanish, listen to it. Talk and, about a lot of Peruvian
1: stuff. And he also made a cameo on our Fly episode. Uh,
0: well, the follow-up. So he, we... We played his clip on oh, Johnny. Yeah, we
1: played it on the Johnny Demonic episode, so uh, he had a cameo on Johnny Demonic. Yeah, he's a reason Three, why the reason
0: why at some point at some point we're gonna watch the original Fly because I looked it up and it's like ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: I just love his line there. He's like, "It's really bad, even for nineteen fifties <laughs> horror." <laughs> Uh,
0: but yeah, uh, yeah, Hans is a good guy. And just uh, hit him up. His uh, email address is mildemonios at hotmail.com. That's M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S. Uh, and on Twitter, he's at Uh And my plug uh, will be a brief one because I hate admitting I'm wrong. But I was so wrong about Spider-Verse. It's a great movie.
1: I've heard a lot of good things about it.
0: From the makers of the Lego movie, which gave me pause. More than pause really
1: oh it was you that didn't like the Lego movie yeah fuck
0: the Lego movie dude it's it's not a terrible movie it's just not funny and If nothing else it's it so funny
1: led to Tegan and Sarah performing at the academy Awards, so worth it I mean
0: sure but <laughs> uh i I just I'm not a big fan of uh of uh their sense of humor and uh but I like the Lego Batman movie
1: I still need to see that
0: and uh it it's I think it's smarter than the Lego movie. It's you know the the humor is not just as fucking dumb, and uh, and Spider Verse is just next level. It's it's really funny. People are saying the best Spider Man movie. Hold your horses. I would put it maybe as number two. I think that it it slightly edges uh the most recent one, Homecoming, uh but it's it's not better. What's your number uh, one? Spider Man Two. Okay. Doc Ock. Toby Maguire, Alfred Molina, Alfred Molina yeah, yeah, yeah. Kirsten Dunst. I
1: have never been able to decide if I like the first Toby Maguire or the second one better. Which one ends with Kirsten Dunst saying go get him tiger? The second one. Okay, okay. And then she says so that good. and
0: then she gets the concerned look. You yeah. know, it's like she's happy as long as well he's there, but then once he walks he swings away, you can tell that it's eating away at her. That's that's really good. Uh yeah, this one is I would say it's well you haven't seen Homecoming, but it's it has the heart of Spider-Man and Fred Two, Fred Claus, <laughs> yeah, too, and it's only missing Christopher Plummer playing uh, one of the bad guys. No, uh, it has the heart of Spider-Man Two with the Electro, <laughs> with the humor of uh, of Homecoming. I think it's a really nice thing, and it's the animation is great. It's just so good, and it's not even even if I hadn't known that the Lego Movie people were involved, I would have had pause because it doesn't seem like your kind of Spider-Man movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's about multiverses and different versions of Spider-Man and you're like, that's not that seems like the kind of thing that you get into the comics after two hundred issues, you're finally, you know, you have so much mythology, you're gonna start like doing crazy shit. Yeah. Uh and this it just didn't seem like you'd be approachable. I was like, I might enjoy it as a Spider Man fan, but people that are coming in fresh probably not. No. They do such a great job of just being Accessible and I can't imagine somebody going to the movie and not having a blast. It's it's funny, it's exciting, and it it actually has a lot of heart. So awesome Spider Verse, which I read somewhere that uh it's it's made so far less money than Venom, and it's a damn shame. <laughs> it's it's Forgot so Venom much better. Yeah,
1: you see the thing going around. I don't know if it was real or not. I assume it was because I'm pretty sure every fucking movie tries to do this. But it was the ad that people from Venom were. Submitting for your approval, Tom Hardy, Best Actor, Venom, Best Picture. (laughs) (laughs) I'll need to see it eventually, just because my love for Tom Hardy knows no bounds.
0: It's worth watching, just don't think it's a good movie. I mean, don't don't expect a good movie.
1: Does he is? Would he be worthy? Would he be eligible for the Embry for his performance in Venom?
0: Uh, I would have a hard time imagining us not having better candidates, but yeah, I guess you could you could nominate him. I don't think he would win.
1: Michelle Williams. Oh, she's terrible in that movie, dude. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that was Fred Claus' bonus episode on a brief layover on the Ke- Keanu one-way track <laughs> to nowhere. Uh, we'll Coming be... up next. Speed will be our next episode, which I'm excited about. Cause
0: Opening I... 2019 with Speed. And then after that, we discuss, and we're going to have uh, a, a, a brief award season arc. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't decided yet on the picks, but basically for the fresh, we're going with Academy Award winners. And for the rottens, we're going with Razzie winners.
1: Probably need to do Shakespeare in Love just so I can shit on that movie. I'll defend it. I'm sure you, you will. It'll
0: be exciting.
1: Uh, but in the meantime, I'll let you all get back to your holiday seasons. I uh, hope all is well. Uh, have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and thank you for joining us here on The Contrarians, where we're right and go wrong. And we'll catch you next time.
0: I'm not the only